Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Paul's letter or epistle to the Romans in chapter 8 is a beautiful sermon of hope, a sermon about liberty, a sermon about the present age and the future, a sermon about life and death, a sermon about the church, about the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And it's a sermon about groaning. He says, we ourselves groan inwardly while we eagerly await our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Groaning. Do we even need illustrations of what this means? Remember waking up this morning? Ugh. Or climbing out of bed? Ugh. Or looking in the mirror? Ugh. Paul says that we groan inwardly. I think we know what this means, too. Turning on the news, uh, seeing the coronavirus numbers spike, uh, wishing there was something different, uh, something better about me. And Paul says our groaning is not alone. For we know that all of creation is groaning with birth pains right up to the present time. For all the disunity that we groan about in our present world, there is one thing that we are all united on, and it's that we groan. We Christians know that this world is not how it was meant to be. And so we wait eagerly, longing, expecting, hoping. But for what? Well, what we're not hoping for is a heaven on earth. But it seems, at least, that this is what many on both the left and the right are trying to achieve, to create heaven on earth. And to create heaven on earth, it must be pure, and there can be no tolerance for anything else. And so something that is desperately lacking in our world, and yes, even among Christians, even among us, is forgiveness. Our world has, has no concept of forgiveness. Our world wants to cancel anything that isn't good enough, anything that isn't perfect. Nothing is redeemable. If you sin according to the world, then the world is content to dispose of you. It wants nothing to do with you. you. If you said or did something even years ago, you are victimized, exposed, and you are sacrificed on the altar of so-called justice. And the world condemns us as Christians, too. The world assumes that we are hypocrites. Why do we want forgiveness? They think if we say uh, that something that is socially accepted is actually wrong and sinful, 
How can we say something is a sin if we sin too? Our world is constantly misunderstanding the Christian position, constantly misunderstanding sin, and throwing hypocrisy in our faces. Our world completely loses sight of forgiveness. But it's not just the world out there. Because we too, by nature, think that forgiveness is a nice idea until we have something to forgive. And then for us too, forgiveness doesn't sound too good. But without forgiveness, there is no atonement. There is no life. There is no salvation. There can be no unity or peace without forgiveness. And there certainly can't be heaven without forgiveness. And so we, at the present time, are suffering the condemnation and the judgment of the world. We are suffering from our slavery to the corruption of our own hearts. We are suffering with broken spirits and broken bodies. And we and all creation groan. And we long for the day that when, we are, when we'll be taken out of this world into heaven, when our bodies will be resurrected without corruption, and we will share in the freedom of eternal life. But until that day, God calls us to reflect his love and forgiveness to each other. Because even while we will not be perfect at it, God does not give rules arbitrarily. God does not just arbitrarily tell us to do things. Rather, God tells us to show love and forgiveness because this is how God has designed society to best function. And this is what our gospel lesson gets at. But our gospel lesson, and I say this every year, I think, is probably the section of Scripture that gets taken out of context and abused the most. Jesus says, do not judge. That gets misinterpreted to mean, as long as I don't judge my neighbor for anything he does, as long as I suspend judgment, then God can't judge me. But that's not what Jesus means. What Jesus means is, don't sin. And because we can't do that, don't believe that you are above someone else in their sin. It doesn't mean sin is okay and that we should just turn a blind eye to it. Rather, instead, look at what God does for you, even though you and I have sinned, what God does for us in his mercy. He gives you and I what we don't deserve. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. It means as much grace and mercy and forgiveness that can be packed as hard as it can into a metaphorical bowl or maybe a metaphorical Amazon box and shaken together will still be running over into your lap. God does not give us what we deserve. He judges us according to the righteousness of Jesus and gives us abundantly what we don't deserve. We are called to be reflections of this, not to repay evil for evil, but to reflect the love and forgiveness and grace God has for us to each other. And this ultimately is the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And because it's the work of the Holy Spirit, and not my work, it means something. Every week we confess the work of the Holy Spirit in one of our three creeds. But I want you to notice something when we confess the work of the Holy Spirit in the Apostles' Creed. The first article of the Apostles' Creed, we confess the, the work of God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. In the second article, we confess God the Son and his work, who was conceived and died and born and suffered and died, etc. But in the third article, we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And we expected to say, who did this and this and this and this? But instead we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. We, we connect these seemingly disjointed things. But they're not disjointed. The Holy Spirit's work through the means of grace cannot be done except through the Holy Christian Church. And what is the church other than the communion of saints? Sinners who have been redeemed and forgiven by Jesus, restored and declared to be saints in communion and fellowship with God. And the communion of saints, you and me, we forgive sins. We forgive each other our sins. And because of the forgiveness of sins, there's the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. It's through the forgiveness of sins, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that actually gives us hope for a greater glory. A greater glory than even the deepest sufferings of our present day. But this may seem irrelevant. I mean, to be focused uh, on heaven when so many things are, are going wrong here on earth. But let me ask you, what do you hope for for the present day? What is your hope for the present day? Especially on the weekend of our nation's independence, there's a lot of people hoping for a lot of different things, and some of them hoping very loudly. The old Lutheran hymnal from 1941 uh, prayed uh, in the prayer of the church this every week. I think based on Romans 6, this is what we need to pray for and hope for as well. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, and endue them with grace to rule after thy good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness. That we, and here it is, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. What we as Christians should hope for in this world is not power. We don't want to be in control over, over the world and, and form the world in our image because we're sinful too. We don't want riches. We don't want an easy life. We don't want fame. We don't want the world's glory. Rather, we want peace and quiet. To live in godliness, 
to be able and free to be served by God. And we believe that this world will never be heaven. And so we look for the world to come. C.S. Lewis said in the book Mere Christianity that if you look at history, the Christians who, who did the most for the present world are those Christians who thought the most of the next. The apostles who converted the entire Roman Empire, the great men who, who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all, all of these uh, people did these great things because their minds were on heaven. C.S. Lewis said, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. And he gives a correlation to our groaning bodies. Health is a great blessing, he says. But the moment you make health one of your main direct objects, you start imagining that there is something wrong with you. Health comes provided you want other things more. Food, games, work, fun, open air. In the same way, we, should, we will never save civilization as long as civilization is our main object. We must learn to want something else even more. Heaven, given to us as a gift, because we are adopted as sons, even though we were not deserving of it, frees us to do good in our present world, to forgive those who sin against us, even if it means that we will suffer because of it. Nothing in this world, not even the sufferings that we face at our present time, are worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. One day, we will be revealed to be the sons of God. While the world thinks we are hypocrites, and while we very well may be at times, nevertheless, we are forgiven. We are judged by God not according to our works, but according to the righteousness of Jesus. And we are given life by the Holy Spirit. We are adopted as sons. As sons who have the inheritance of heaven promised for us. There will be no more groaning. Rather, the greatest glory, the perfect peace, and divine quietness will be ours in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever will be, ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.